0: This is Lockdown, a security radio show brought to you by Red Hat, presented by Richard morell featuring the brightest and the best in the information security arena, globally. Make sure you subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, PocketCast, Player.fm, or your chosen podcast client or the RSS feed. For now, here's our latest show. Hey everyone, you're listening to Lockdown, a security radio show brought to you by Red Hat. My name is Richard Morrell. Thank you for taking time to tune in. Today we're going to be bringing you part two of a two-part podcast I recorded with Lance James of Flashpoint. On the back of episode two of season two of Mr. Robot, we're going to be exploring what makes hackers tick. What can you do as an organization, as an information security professional within that organization, to take rational steps to protect yourself what can you do as an information security professional to educate those around you how do you walk a mile in the shoes of your network team how do you have conversations with your devops team how do you get the best out of the limited resources you've got because traditionally we're the guys who say no we're the guys who are seen very much as the block in the road that people need to go over to climb over with a, with a security change control to try and water down our paranoia and our fear well this radio show is going to go some way towards trying to help you understand what it is you can do as an it professional as a security professional to get the best out of the resources at your disposal make sure you have listened to part one of this two-part podcast otherwise isn't going to make much sense and come back next week for some more great content i walk into customers Every single day, and we were RSA in San Francisco six weeks ago, and RSA is kept afloat by vendors having these hundred square foot stands full of shiny, flashy lights on forty two U racks full of kit. You know, you've got a Juniper network box for that, you've got an F five box for that, you've got an Open DNS cache for that, and you've got customers who are going out there buying all this technology and just. It's like a shaving wound, you know. They're just sticking the toilet paper on whichever bit's bleeding and hoping that some of it's going to catch fire. It's the
1: uh, it's the castle problem when the gunpowder basically got discovered and suddenly everybody's just trying to rack their minds about uh, how do we to over, you know, put some stuff on the castles to keep them alive before these cannons take them out. But no one's thinking agile, right? They're just thinking they're thinking like old defense in depth concepts. And we just have to, you know, we're convinced that it's like we can't see anything. The ironic part is no one knows their own network. No one has spent the time to know their own network. And the most you know, you can get all these vendors, you can get them to. And and there's nothing wrong with getting obviously filters and being able to see as much as you can. Um, And and some of these vendors are big on being able to do that. But half of them are partly configured or or
0: this or that. uh, You don't have your data in the right places. No one's managing it. It's a different department. It's not even that. Okay, let's use an analogy people can use. It's the Microsoft Office conundrum. People have Word on their desktop and they use... What percentage of Word are people actually using? Oh, I don't know. 15%, 20% of the functionality? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly, right? They're not
1: even using all of it. Yeah, it is, right. And so um, the interesting thing about it is, is that... Let, let's talk DNS. You just brought up Open DNS, right? So, so let's take the Open out of it and just talk DNS for a second. And I'll give you an example. If someone, if we could get around the politics of corporations and stuff, and we could actually say two to three people in the IT department decide to make a project that will take one to two months to get to know what their DNS is doing, that might require Open DNS, but not really. I'm talking about literally. Let's put it in. Let's it put it in the tool they already have, likely a sim, right? Do they know what kind of DNS that uh, that uh, that is actually? being used. For instance, can they identify dynamic DNS? Can they identify brand new DNS uh, entries they've never seen on their network and why? Can they identify what the the age of that domain is? And and if, like, for example, if we just do that, for instance, I see a new domain on my network. I also see the age of it's five years old. How in the heck did the marketing team of whatever that domain get get on my network in the first place? We're not even talking about extra tools, not threat intelligence, not active list, nothing yet. We're just getting and categorizing our DNS and saying, I know that these this type, I'm. I'm cla- it's basically classification, right? I'm now getting a handle on it, and every day, it's going to take a few, uh, about a month or so, to get it all fine-tuned and be able to tag everything. You know, it's going to take some supervision. After that, though, you're going to be able to like figure out what. You can say and I can say why do I have these dynamic DNS servers coming out of my network. If you're a bank the likeliness of dynamic DNS stuff unless a developer is going to their home box which you still might have a policy against. Right. Why are you not having that now. You haven't even had to have threat intelligence on that. The the, the trick is is that you just have to know what the 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 dynamic DNS name servers are out there. And if it comes off of that you categorize it and then uh, now what's in front of you is a dashboard of what's going on with your DNS. Now then you take another project and do the same thing. Um, but you're starting at the low level because most of your attacks anyways, all of these things, are in that. Your network, your own very network, has more threat intelligence in it within it than any vendor is ever going to tell you, right? I mean, if you work at a bank, you have everybody's information, you have all of the people that log in. If you have an attacker or something going on, you might actually have that IP address because they might bank there, right? You know, you never know, right? So that's, that's an interesting thing is that You know, with all these companies, with all this information, they're going out looking for more information and not mastering their own. Right. Uh, It's it goes into even like the encryption debate we see with the government. Well, you know, you have all these other intelligence points, all these way of other things. And you're worried about encryption. Right. Same problem. We're having the same mindset. It's always something else that we, you know, uh, someone else's problem, some other technology didn't solve this. It's not my problem. And that goes back to accountability. So step back, sit down, know your network, spend time actually doing this DNS idea for once. Just see if you can do it. And it would take maybe two, three uh, security engineers and sit down and do it. And it's a fun project actually. Wouldn't you wanna know what the heck is going on? Because then you can learn how you can identify a weird activity from DNS activity, right? You haven't even touched one vendor other than the tools you already have. You can do it either in a SIM, you could do it from a sensor, you could write a Python script to grab it, you could do many things to do it. It's not an expensive process. But you're not using your tools correctly and you're just saying we have to shove this stuff in SIM. Another problem. Say we go back to SIM. We'll use SIM as a really good example because that's a, a massive tool that spot costs people, usually millions of dollars, and then you have an entire SOC looking at stuff. I'll use a real basic example. So VOIP, right? When you're running a SOC, I see one of the biggest problems when you're running a SOC is that so you when you want to keep you put bodies on the ground. Uh, some of them are just out of school, this and that, trying to just catch up, everything like this. But there's no like tiered out leveling of it. So, for instance, if you go and you want to put a data line, a, a VIP data line, into your business, do you call a security guy? Do you call a, a, a guy who works on Citrix? No, you call a freaking VIP guy. That's what he specializes in. When you want it monitored and secured, what do you do? You just pass it back to the SOC and you assume that they all know what VIP and, and security, what, what what a suspicious security activity would look like. Why not have specialized areas? Like basically spend a little bit more money on the people that are specialized just like you know you you monitor uh, it almost by department right i'm monitoring the hr department i know what i need to be looking for and that person is like less eyes on glass and actually can build use cases around the the world of that now you're taking risk with operational because they can go they can sit down interview the hr department and say what are the things that you guys are concerned with what are the things i think you should be concerned with da da da, da. they can analyze it and they know that department and they build that use case to monitor hr that's one body That's one body, maybe two. Maybe if there's a night shift, right, then you have your legal department. You have all of these departments. But like, why are we just going, let's throw everything back at the sock and hope that they don't see. No wonder you get breaches like Target and this stuff. They're overwhelmed. And then then they get all the the crap for it personally, you know, and they feel like they failed the company and everybody's under pressure and having corporate PTSD because everybody thinks they're going to get fired and then you have this psychological morale which just freezes everybody anyways and you're not going to solve the problem now you're just in an extra on top of the already reactive mode now you're just spending based on more reaction and you're learning along the lines spending 5-10 million dollars to hope that some, all these consultants can come in and solve your problem because
0: someone told you to <coughs> it isn't about
1: it, it, that it's it's,
0: it's it's getting worse in cloud though because you've got <laughs> departments talking to developers and the departments are saying this is what we want our application to do this is what our customers want from a behavior of a app experienced on their mobile phone or their tablet. Mm-hmm. And then the developers got to say, well, this is how I build it, maintaining conformity around patching, around password level, right. around encapsulation of all that data and encryption. Mm-hmm. And then they outsource it to a third party in a foreign country with no control. Y-
1: yeah. That and, and and not only not no control, no real understanding of how it was built, not understanding the priorities, not understanding the engineer's mind, uh, and if you have to call them in that foreign country, they're not that might not be up at the time you need them. Anyways, uh, I have uh, tried to manage foreign country like uh, teams before, and it's it's not anything against them per se on that level. It's the time zones. That's alone is is one hassle of if, if they don't understand what you mean, you need to go flying over there and say this is how we mean to get it done uh, and a lot of it's some of those the, the cheaper cost on that the ironic part is they want to be cheaper that way but they could be cheaper internally way more by re- spending more on the one expert versus spending a bunch on the the people that kind of can make like, you know do this for you right so when you go and outsource to a, a, another country uh and again uh you know, uh, you know, with the, it's from time and time in my pen test days, I've seen more co- co- uh, companies get owned because of the fact that they're outsourced and there's no updates and there's no one, there's no dedicated inf- infosec once it's outsourced. It's just, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what they do. And it cut costs, but it doesn't cut costs. And that's what the thing is, we're always tactically thinking, we're cutting off our nose before we see our face kind of thing. And we are, we're literally not thinking down the road here. You know, everybody tries to think about bottom line, but they don't understand what bottom line is. Bottom line isn't, right the second it's it's bottom line is how you know how do we do this right you know and keep the bottom line like meaning it it goes down years from now we still have a bottom line to talk about because right now um this whole you know keeping it cheap in our heads is not the way of doing it and it's very reactive it's just we got to do this we got to hire this we got to do this we got to do that right and it literally it's just like frantic and it's it's like every single person that does it. It's like they, the, the even they look frantic when they're doing it. Um, we, we
0: talked already. I mean, you spend a lot of your time advising external professional bodies. Let's let's just leave it external professional bodies. A lot of the time at Red Hat, we our customers are building enterprise networks out of Red Hat Linux code and Red Hat technologies, which we build from known sources. That's one of the things right. about Red Hat. We know where the source comes from. So we're not taking an, you know, a tarball from there and whatever. Is it a nightmare for you when you walk across into a customer where there's a hodgepodge of all different Linuxes and Unixes, and it's all built by sysadmin who who, who loves the company to pit, but it's held together with string? Well, it's held together with string, and it's—he's the only
1: guy there, right? Uh, um, that is what I call the grumpy sysadmin complex. Um, but yes, no, uh, it is—it's mind-boggling because of the fact that um, you know the problem with sys administration in general. Uh, almost every sysadmin administrator I've met. Uh, they have their own way of doing things. They have very strong opinions on certain things. I mean, it's just it's just part of being the grumpy sysadmin. Yeah. Um, and you got to have one. <laughs> um, at the other time, though, they also... Uh, there is a psychological fear of job security for them. They have to you know, do it their way so that it also is their way and you keep them. And that's, that's been like since the nineties, how Sysadmins work. They always have done that. They are the dependency of the company and the backbone and you can't get rid of them because now their stuff is so knee deep into the, the, you know, to the core of what you've done, even if it is all crap in it, but it's holding it together by a string. It is holding it together. And, um, you know, and it's funny because, um, I see this even in engineering in general, in in systems, and you know, like you said, all these different uh, Linuxes and stuff. And now, there's nothing wrong with different Linuxes. There are different, or even BSDs. There are there are certain things. I I look at it this way. It's similar to software development. Choose the right language for the right task. Right? You'd, you, you, you know, some people will go Python, but if you're going to like. Um, you know, high high performance financial systems like trading systems or or hedge funds, uh, they may choose Haskell uh, due to multiple reasons for that including con- built-in concurrency, asynchronous IO and smaller, smaller code increments because it's built modally So and functionally, right? So um, in that sense, that's an example of that. So you can choose the right thing, but the problem is that you, you, you face with this is that we have a single point of failure which is the sysadmin himself, right? Um, there is no organization this and that. And this is a typical problem with just yeah starting out a company anyways, right? And hopefully, a lot of the companies nowadays have gotten used to that, and they're trying to get their act together. And the thing is, we have OpenStack out there. We have all these things now that actually can help you. I know you're, you're not the biggest fan of containers, but the idea behind them uh, is that you can kind of you know, kind of model out and sep- not even just separate, but model out and have a plan and say, then now we're rolling it out. And that's what the ideas of these containers are, is micro, uh, services, basically, like these contain microservices, right? And so that you can you think iteratively, like, you know, why Sprints and Scrums exist is so that we think smaller when we're solving a problem, so we, they small, we solve that problem well versus trying to solve all these big problems at once, right? So that is really that's where it's going, and I, so I'm having a little more faith in seeing that happen more. And it's not about the containers, it's about the way of thinking and the engineering side. And the expectation of a system is different now because of that, right? They have to be able to support, um, you know, these container systems and they have to be able to support uh, big data like uh, Kafka and and ZeroMQ and, and and messaging systems and Elasticsearch, which some of these technologies that I've done on the big data and the engineering and the, the, the high performance stuff, capacity uh, systems, have been done really well. Some of them are really good. And it's Apache has been killing it actually with some of the stuff they're doing. And it's open source. Yeah. And the funny thing is I was going to say earlier about when you were talking about uh, uh, these band, the the, the tissue, the, the cut shaving is the only people that I've seen that kind of sometimes build from scratch thinking security is open source projects like known sources. And it's kind of like part of their mission and core. And and the reason why it's open sources that that they can get a review and, you know, see, hey, we screwed up or, or where can we do better. So in the same way, this uh, a lot of the open source technologies, the Elasticsearches, all of these things out there uh, are becoming and we seen this with Red Hat. Red Hat's exactly that. It's an open source technology that has built upon it um, core components and things like this and supports and all these things around it. So if, like Elasticsearch, they have things you can pay for, but they have their core is available. Right. And it's. It's in, in that model works really well and it's been it, it's not perfect, but you know, if you guys at Red Hat go through a security thing, you know, the process you have an errata, you have a whole system for actually dealing with this and it's a dependable, accountable process. It's, yeah. Is it perfect? No, but you don't get perfect security. That's right. Is, right. Um, so in that sense, uh, I think that's changing. I am seeing it sometimes, though. I definitely see the system in. Kind of like, you know, uh, I, I used to see it more in the 90s, uh, like the Oracle DB was like literally like won't let you look over their shoulder because it's their job security. I'm the one specialized in this and the more specialized it is, the more they get to keep their job. Uh, and it's a territorial issue uh, and a job security issue. And that comes down to um, the way we maybe maybe... Um, just kind of, I see more companies not letting that happen anymore because they've seen it in the past, you know, so, so, but it, it has driven me crazy to literally walk through and say, wow, this is a nightmare, but uh, I see it more in the application development themselves. Like, you know, there's, there's, you know, uh, there's some companies that do a great job at applications development uh, and I've, I've gotten the, the benefit of working with some of them that really care about like, you know, micro like looking at each stage of the security process, but it's that's a new concept to them, um, but it's becoming more prevalent. The problem with it is is engineers don't, it's not engineers fault, but they don't know what they're not supposed to not be doing or not looking for. They're, they're there to take the ball, run with it and get the problem done. And then the security teams come in and say, hey, this." so what I think needs to be changed, whether it's sysadmins, whether it's developers, that the security guy or whatever, I think more security guys need to, when I say hiring a security guy, they have to have development experience as well and have to work with them because I think there's a lack of empathy that will cause. No, I
0: completely agree with that.
1: Yeah, so, but they have to be able to be part of that sprint and part of that uh, uh, that circle as well. And be implementing the security as as the the product goes, and it's not complicated. It's just part of your iterative development, and over time, it just culturally they you know uh, they mentor each other, and and security guys gonna learn a lot from the developers, right? From uh, you know this and that. And the security guy's job is not to make this hard, uh, make a hard time for them. Actually, it's to work with them and say, how would we do best do this? You know, if it's user management, how are you encrypting the keys or the passwords or storing things like this? Thinking threat models all the way through, and that becomes part of your development process. It's just your, it becomes normal. And guess what's finally happening? The security guy can't compl- complain anymore because stuff is happening. It's actually getting good, and he's getting a fulfilling job because it isn't just about yelling pe- about people, uh, yelling at people, and and suffering from a heart attack at fifty because he's been so stressed just yelling at people all his life. It is- is it is all he's ever had is change control correct it's change. yeah and now it can be it is it is now with the models out there uh, sprint uh, the sprints and scrum model out there and stuff like that the way do it with the stand-ups and everything it's just uh, it's part of it can be part of it just like system administration part or DevOps it can be part of development now it's a supporting uh, piece so infosec would be a supporting piece
0: to development so Lance, it's always great having you on a podcast because we get to put the world to rights in small, bite-sized chunks. One of the great things about doing a podcast with you is that people listening to this show aren't having to travel 6,000 miles to see you in a conference center in Las Vegas. You know, they the, the, the people listening to this podcast commuting into the office on the BART or the London Underground or the T in Boston, they're the same people who... Have the challenges and the problems they face working with network professionals, application developer guys, security sysadmins, CIOs, and very often, you know, it's it. There's so much conflict in companies. Give me your, you know, a, a few examples quickly, just really quickly, of stuff that they can do going into the office this morning to make life better.
1: One of them, I honestly think, it comes down to a, a, a personal outlook perspective. Is Walk in the room, brand new. Uh, when I say that, you might be upset with your CISO or your or your the network engineer, the system in yesterday. Um, but I find find that it's it you know sticking with that mindset is getting nothing done. And so we've 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 figured that out. We know that that doesn't get anything done. So I I would kind of start anew. Um, kind of uh, one of the things like if we uh, break bread with each other this is one of the biggest things that I've said It's like I I was at a big company talking about why their sock and their threat intelligence teams don't go along and I said well you, you you guys are blaming each other and what I said earlier corporate PTSD but I said you know you have to you have to break bread together so one of the things is understand that other person's perspective um, you know you, you, from a people perspective you're not going to get security guys tend to think that's their only thing in the world we all do we, we all it's the security show it's 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 if i walk into a room oh god it's the lance james show it's like that's how we are perceived right now that and that's why we're perceived by system administrators network engineers if we're you know all these rock stars and these hackers and it's cool to be a hacker and then everything goes to our head right we aren't gonna win if we continue the way we go with this and you know, keep fighting down that path. So number one is stop fighting. Uh, break bread together and start sitting in their shoes and figure out, like listen to what the network engineers going through, listen to what the system administrators are going through, listen to all the things they're going to join into their group and shut up for a week. Just shut up for a week. And, and, and listen to what they're going through and then figure out how do you fit in versus how do you push your way through right meaning security is a it's something that serves a service business and it fits in and it, and so that that has to be something that you, you can't go backwards with it. You can't shove it in and stuff. It fits in. It has to fit in. It has to go into the model. It has to be part of the structure. It has to be part of the the program. To do that by fighting it is is no way. By listening and stepping back, you can build a real threat model because you can think about the information that the system administrator and the network in, engineers deal with, the secrets that they handle, and the actors that are involved in all of that. And that's how you build a proper threat model. So first is step back, listen as a security guy. That's that's the thing we need to do on our part is, uh, leave the ego at the login prompt come in the door and be quiet for a little bit um second on the education piece um, you know uh, culturally there's there's also a driver um, it, i find in a lot of places there's no culture in in in, in this until it's also again shoved in but like there are ways to gently uh, make thing, make people think more about the safety and security of their environments, right? Uh, both down to even just like safety. I mean, when you talk to normal people on the street, it's always like, if I'm going traveling, travel safe, be safe, you know, things like that. So in a way we think about it, right? So we just need to kind of um, do our part. Like one of the things that I, I've done before is build buddy systems right so buddy systems will basically say hey you know we look out for each other and stuff if we make a mistake or an OPSEC thing or hey um, you know uh, we probably should have encrypted that uh, that PDF because it's sensitive or we well, you know mark, make sure to mark it confidential or what it's gonna be a lot more technical obviously you can have buddy systems on the more technical side but just to give a breakdown uh, pairing up and having accountability for each other and being okay to hear it from the other person it's kind of like AA when they have a sponsor you know you're getting a sponsor you're you're also maybe that other person might be a little bit more uh, you know uh, technical or not or both sides have some strengths with that but a buddy system is really good to to kind of take a way to educate each other and, and look out for each other you have kind of a thing people pair up at work all the time anyways and others stuff so it's just having that, that one look out for the other right and um, and then thirdly um, leaders out there the leadership in the, in, in the environment um, I feel like that, that is interesting. A lot of people are afraid to really, really lead. Le- leadership takes courage, right? Uh, it doesn't take, uh, I told you what to do. It takes you to be down there with the team. It, it takes you to be uh, you know on the floor with the team. The CISOs, it's not their fault, but sometimes they're really distanced from the actual team themselves and the hard work they put in. And, 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 and also because that, the team is distanced from the CISO, right? So take away from that is, you know uh, the the you know the courage to to stand up for your team. I for me, I, I can tell you the thing that has probably been something people notice about me the most, but also been to a detriment. or been a fault. Is I would literally die for my team. Uh, not not okay, die in a functional process, but maybe like I would functional I, I would politically probably damage myself to protect my team. Yeah. Yes, and I have done so in the past. Um, and. That maybe maybe mistakes were made along that, but at the same time, I feel like I don't regret that now because you know what? They've become leaders themselves over it. They saw it took courage. They took you know, uh, you know, I may have not made the right decisions, but I did not let my team down. I I was with them in all of it, right? Um, And they were with me and that's the most important part is that there seems to be this ivory tower with the executive leadership. Instead of realizing you're on the same team, a team needs a leader but it also needs every other piece. It's not something better or more. It is that leader serves the team. That's what he does. His job is to fight for the things the team needs and that seems to be a disconnect I see in InfoSec a lot of the times, uh, you know, and it doesn't mean it's a democracy. It means the leader makes the right decision, best decision for the team, uh, given the circumstances in some sense. It doesn't mean that the, that the leader is a, when you serve the team, it means you're a pushover. It means that you have to be assertive and courageous and, and actually say, I'm going to fight this battle for you. I'm going to, if you guys truly believe this, then we're going to go, we're going to toe to toe and I'll deal with it. And they don't have to feel about it. Their job is to stay efficient. The leader takes care of all that st- other stuff. Uh, and they, you know, the leader's job is to help them become the most efficient, you know, wheel. Like they, they are a wheel together. They, they, they need to be like, you know, if one's sick, it it might cause a problem. You know what I mean? Like it's like, you know, it's they are a, a tight wheel, and that and that has to, has to be driven. Both in the action of the leader, but also in the culture of that team as well. So, I mean, I I know these are more soft skill things, but I think this is what's lacking. It's not the technicals or this vulnerability. It's our attitude, and and we need to 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 humble ourselves a bit and and recognize when we you know as a, even as a leader, did I do something wrong? Ask your team, did I did I do something wrong? It's okay for your team to tell you they don't agree with you. And I see that ego stop itself all the time, and and people can't take it, and it's like I told my team at Deloitte, please call me at 10 p.m. if I upset you or if I need to do something better. Because how do I know to serve you better if I can't know, if I don't know, if you can't talk to me, if there's no trust in that team, if it's not 100% trust, then you don't have a team. You know what I mean? So, um, you know,
0: so that's that's my thoughts. Sorry if it was (laughs) long-winded. Lance, no, it's great. I mean, I think one of the issues in security is a lot of the time, just like in AA, we're in recovery. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we are in recovery. Um, we're also in a, a, an, an adjustment period in general. Uh, we finally saw last you know, year before all these breaches. We got that. We got it. We're vulnerable. We're vulnerable. Like I said, China is probably the best free penetration testing we've ever had. Uh, we've learned from it, and we're probably still going to be learning from it and probably still. But uh, at the same time, we have made some maneuvers. If, if there are statistics showing that China is hitting us less, which is kind of nice. Um but on the other side, now we got to start thinking about the agile. How are we not going to be the castle against gunpowder and sitting still? We got to think about how can we be de- dynamic, agile, um, and still you know make our companies run without completely causing com- full stops uh, due to inconvenience. Um, it's a challenge. Uh, I don't. I don't think anybody's got the right answer yet but we're in that adjustment and trying to figure it out uh, but let's go back to being like a kid like when we were hackers and being curious again and figure that out versus trying to just buy a bunch of products all the time that say without like any role like hey research i mean it's it's you know it's not going to kill us to slow down a little bit you know just a little bit and and take some time and really go back to the the fun side of the hacker which was the curiosity how do i solve this hard problem because Right, ironically, right now this is our hard problem. How are we? How is in in thirty years or in fifteen years the internet going to even still be here because we could, you know, we figured it out or not, or did they get too hostile and we just did have to shut the whole thing down? Right. So this is the hard problem we're dealing with. This is the hacker problem, yeah. and hackers like to solve problems. So us hackers and and creative thinkers and out of the box thinkers. Let's start doing that. We've got the idea. Vulnerabilities, we get that. They're all there. We know all of the, the triage and we all know all that. Now let's start thinking strategically and be strategically creative to try to figure out how we all together figure out how to solve this problem. And that's idealistic, but it is the
0: reality in front of us. So, Sage words of wisdom from a man at the top of his game. Lance James, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Make sure you listen in for more great shows from our back catalog. Subscribe and share the word. Come back soon for more great content.